0: welcome to another episode of two strike noise your weekly baseball history podcast i've been told it's america's favorite baseball history podcast but uh let's not do any research into that just yet but i am one half of the show my name is jeff joining me as always from the high seas is captain mark a johnson mark how you doing
1: i'm I'm doing well despite a, a very interesting fourth of july extended weekend it yeah. was uh kind of
0: long but uh doing well back in the saddle and uh, ready to talk baseball i'm hoping the fourth is on wednesday next year uh just because you know i got monday and tuesday off so i'd like to just have the whole half <laughs> of the week off in you know pr- in preparation for the holiday but uh Hey, it was, it was a good, because I, I think last year there was barely any games on the 4th of <laughs> July. This year there was a full slate of games, so that was yes. good. I watched a lot of baseball. Of course, we took a week off, too. I took some time off. I went out of town, visited some friends, watched some minor league baseball of my own. Very excited. Uh, got cool. to see some live baseball. Very disappointed, though, in minor league baseball jerseys. Not going to oh, lie. Man. Yeah, so I let's just tell everybody we're going to start our BP segment right now because we're just chit chatting about baseball stuff. But I went to uh, I went to Salt Lake City, visit some of my friends, went to the Salt Lake Bees as I do whenever I go there, and I've been buying hats every time I go there. All my fantasy teams are always the Salt Lake Bees, the Salt Lake Buzz, so I like to have gear to match it, even though it's Angels, uh, the Angels AAA club. So I I went in this time. Saying, "All right, I'm ready to spend like 150 bucks on a good jersey." I can't say this for all jerseys, but I, I did some looking. It seems that pretty much all minor league jerseys are just silk screened button down jerseys now. That's they're too bad. Yeah, I, I didn't buy anything because I like to have that stuff sewn on. Like, I like to, I like sure. it to. To feel like I've spent some money for something, I couldn't put down the money for just silkscreen stuff.
1: I I get that, man, for sure.
0: And I was wondering, is that just all they sell? But no, that's what both teams were wearing on the field, where it was the silkscreen stuff. So very disappointing. Let's see. We got some other stuff. We got a lot of stuff to catch up on after, uh, after taking a week off. The Altoona Curve. We've talked about them before. We've figured out what the the curve actually meant. It's in reference to a, a railroad section. The Altoona Curve has got one of those unique uh, minor league giveaways to draw fans. Uh, I th- oh, I guess they already had it. They had it like a week or two ago. They had what is called Old Stuff Giveaway Night. Old stuff. Old stuff giveaway night. And basically, they just decided they wanted to clean out some closets and some offices. So what that meant is that you got random stuff as you came in this night. Some people got old giveaways like bobbleheads or, you know, a hat or branded sunglasses, whatever. Other people got old trash cans and uh, (laughs) folders that were no longer being used and uh, pencil holders so it was uh it's you kind of a crapshoot but i like it it's probably good yeah, for the environment fantastic. too
1: yeah <laughs> and, and it gets rid of all the, what do we do with all this junk lying around yeah well, let's give it away
0: put it in a landfill let it take forever to decompose no let's give it to fans so that they right. can keep it in their house and get cluttered
1: there you go yeah exactly
0: All right, so uh, the Mets, my my second team, uh, have had a they've turned it around here the last couple of games, but uh, apparently Eduardo Escobar, who is uh, a member of the New York Mets, he became a U.S. citizen recently, so he had to take the citizenship test.
1: I've heard those are tough.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> here's a good story. Here's Buck Showalter talking about uh, Eduardo's teammates were helping him study for this. So here's a here's a good story about uh, Eduardo taking his citizenship test.
1: So everybody needs to laugh. So they were kidding him, thinking he was going to mispronounce something. Ask him who the first president of the United States was, and he had that esky had that devilish look on his face. And he said, "Ron Washington." <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful isn't it
0: the forefather of uh, infielders is what I've been told <laughs> Ron Washington perfect <laughs> uh, let's see here Mark now I texted you about this have you looked at this uh, I, I've been kind of infatuated with this for two weeks since I discovered it we had a couple of listeners have sent us notes about it as well it's a game called the immaculate grid oh yeah yeah. No, you know what I haven't personally checked it out but you know what it is? Yes. All right. So for for those that don't, this is a, a game that you can play on the internet. Uh, it's it's not an app or anything. You go to an actual website. It's called Immaculate Grid. It is just baseball. I'm probably doing it for other sports at a different URL, whatever. But it's a it's a three by three grid. So there's nine holes right and then on the top three uh, columns you've got usually two teams and then a counting stat category and then on the left call uh the left uh, rows it's usually two maybe three teams and maybe another counting stat and you have to you know you you cross-reference them so if uh the a's the giants and 300 game winners are up top and on the left side it is the mariners the angels and nvp You have to match that up. So where the A's meet the MVP, I have to name somebody that was on the A's that won the MVP while they were on oakland so you could put a ricky henderson there now just a warning ricky henderson can be used as an answer probably five times out of the seven times each week that this game is available <laughs> so edwin jackson is also somebody you want to keep in mind you know as long as you know those guys that that play a lot of it played on a lot of teams um and then also it's just where the teams combine it's okay who's been on the a's and the angels again ricky henderson could be the answer you can only use it once per per day but that's how you do it you only get nine guesses so if you miss one you're not going to get a perfect score
1: Ah, uh-huh, okay
0: yeah wow. so it's it's a lot of fun i've been it also tells you kind of it gives you a percent when you answer it okay well you know 20 percent of people have used that same player and oh, so see. I've okay. been having fun. I try to aim for under five percent. <laughs> so I've been using Damon Barry Hill. Uh, I used Rick Shoe the other day. I've been getting some point zero five percent even. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a game. Uh, link will be down in the show notes if you haven't already been playing this game. It's like Wordle. You get one puzzle a day, and that's it. So. Take your time. It's fun. I think anybody that listens to this show will probably like it. Very cool. The real reason we were off for a week was uh, to celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day. That's right. Um, Of course, that happened. We're not going to cover Bobby Bonilla because we've talked about it in length in the past. I think everybody knows what's going on. But some of the other names that the Mets are also writing checks to. Uh, is incredible. Still, still paying Robinson Cano twenty million a year. James wow. McCann, they're still paying him uh, eleven million a year. Eduardo Escobar, who I just mentioned, uh, they're paying him. Although uh, maybe he he was DFA'd. I don't I don't remember. Uh, Chris Flexen, who they just traded for and then DFA'd, they owe him four million dollars. Uh, Darren Ruff, who I think is on the Blue Jays, is getting paid $3 million. There's Bobby. Tommy Hunter, who hasn't played in a long time, is getting paid $686,000 a year by the Mets. And as if he's not making that royalty money for the uh, best Cy Young Award winner to rap about a Ford truck, Brett Saberhagen is still getting paid $250,000 every year by the New York Mets. (laughs) that's hilarious that that's a Uh, what is that that eight players that i read that's almost they could almost field a team with guys that they're paying that are not on the team
1: Makes you wonder if they still owe Jerry Kuzman any money,
0: <laughs> or maybe Nolan Ryan. I don't know. Maybe he was. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Way back then, hey, uh, new guy, uh, new player, new guy. Uh, Matt Waldron made his debut, his major league debut for the Padres a, a week or so ago. Why do I bring this up, you ask? Why do you bring that up? There you go. Uh, he's a knuckleballer. Oh yeah! Can you believe Beautiful. it? This, so he is, uh, let's see, what, he's 26 years old, and that knuckleball, I believe, is his his primary pitch. Uh, as the time of this recording, he has only appeared in one game. He got a start. He did take the loss. No wild pitches, though. Uh, hmm let's see, he walked one, struck out two, gave a couple of home runs, but uh, Matt Waldron with the San Diego Padres, this is his first year in the big leagues out of the University of Nebraska. So always exciting when we get a knuckleballer back in the league.
1: The, the first one since uh, Mickey Janis.
0: <laughs> is that true?
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Orioles
0: 2021. Oh, okay. There you go. I, you rolled, that rolled off the tip of your tongue. Like that's something that you say every day. I'm it is. I was telling my wife that yesterday. I would have said, I don't know, R.A. Dickey. I, I don't know <laughs> who the last one was. Uh, hey, so I watched the K-Rod broadcast of the Sunday night game. Uh, I think it was the Mets. Uh, oh. Yeah, it was the Mets and Giants. So I was watching it, but I didn't really want to watch the main broadcast and I couldn't. You know, listen to Gary and Keith. So I flipped over to the K Rod because uh, they said, "Oh, we got Kevin Mitchell coming up." I'm like, "Oh, I want to hear that." So, wow, they had some great, uh, some great guests. They had K Rod came on. Uh, I think Doc Gooden, or no, it was Daryl Strawberry came on. They had a bunch of old Mets, and they were telling great stories. And I'm like, wow. I've really been missing out. I, I should probably listen to this all the time, even though it's A-Rod. But as soon as the players were gone and they, it was just uh, Michael Kay and, and A-Rod watching the game, boy, it became Boomer Central. It was unwatchable. Unwatchable. When, when they did not have former players that were, you know, especially from those 86 Mets. I mean, those are great stories. But when they do not have other players on there to talk about, it is not something i can watch <laughs> but i tried i tried uh mark we're gonna forego uh we're gonna forego debuts this week because we've got a lot to talk about in our main subject but uh yeah i don't i didn't even look it up because i know that we've got a lot to talk about here so we're gonna let the ground screw come out do their stuff uh we took a little extra bp today because we're we're out of practice and uh you know after being gone for a week so you want to just get right into it here yeah, I'm ready to rumble. All right. So, Mark, our main topic today, this is something I've had on the list. I think maybe since like before we did our first episode, I, I made a big long list of topics and something spurred this one uh, deep within the cockles of my heart uh, recently. So I decided to do some research. I've written this out. I've got enough. Uh, this is a long one, but I got enough, I think, already for a second part down the road. But what nice. I want to talk about is trades that almost happened. Ooh, very nice. So you and I were on a podcast a while ago that it gave us a big what if. The question to us was what if, Jackie Robinson, there wasn't a color barrier to break, that somebody had broken it long ago. Or the, yeah. there just never was one. And that was fun to to, to think of things Uh, how history might be different well this is gonna i think this will provoke some good conversation here so two of the uh, to start off with let's talk about two of the biggest names at first base in the 1980s and how they almost swapped coasts the giants and the yankees actually had a deal in place that said don mattingly to the san francisco giants for will clark Wow. So the trade would have included a couple of pitchers as well. Rick Roden would have gone with Mattingly to the West Coast, and two lefties, Atley Hamaker and Craig Deff Leopards, would have ended up in pinstripes with Clark on the Yankees. The deal, though, was nixed when the Giants discovered that former guest of the pod and all-around just incredible human being Dave Jervecki was diagnosed with a tumor in his pitching arm, so they decided, hey, we can't lose two left-handers if we're possibly going to be losing Drevicky. So the whole deal was called off. But wow. how big of a I I mean, Mattingly for Will Clark swapping teams—that's pretty yeah, impressive. Would have
1: been something to see, I tell you that.
0: Yeah, and and would the Giants have been able to get to the World Series in yeah. uh, in 1989 with John right. Mattingly? getting got him there well let's stick with the Yankees and Giants so uh, there's this guy called Ricky Henderson Uh, in 1989 he was traded back to the Bay Area he led the A's to the World Series did some other stuff apparently I guess he's in the Hall of Fame I'm not sure barely heard of the guy but maybe our listeners have but he also almost ended up in the wrong uniform though Two days before Ricky returned home to Oakland, he was dealt to the Giants for Candy Maldonado and Scott Geraltz. Wow. Now, honestly, I think that's a better haul than what the Yankees got from Oakland, which was Greg Catteray, Eric Plunk and Luis Polonia. <laughs> well, you know, you got
1: some four A Giants
0: right there. <laughs> but uh, Ricky fortunately had a no trade clause and he nixed the deal. I don't blame him. Uh, Mm. Just think he could have been on the other side of that 89 World Series. He could. (laughs) Who knows? He and and Madagascar could have both been in Giants uniforms. I don't know. But I mean, the Giants would obviously uh, have won that World Series if Ricky was on that. But does Roger Craig give Ricky the green light like Larusa did? Just kind of let, you know, go be Ricky. Or does he have somebody like Carney Lansford who can hit behind him and, and let him steal all those bases? Uh, does he sign with somebody else the next year? Or do the Giants re-sign him? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons to think why Ricky said no to this trade. Maybe, being an Oakland guy, he just hates the Giants. There's a lot to hate about him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they did lead the National League West for the, almost the entire season that year. Uh, not much. a whole lot at any point but they were in first place the whole time so maybe he had an inclination that the A's might be trying to get him and that's where he would have wanted to go anyway I don't know but again could have been a lot different of Ricky Henderson in a Giants jersey at that candlestick Uh, a lot of these deals have a lot to do with the Yankees specifically the George Steinbrenner Yankees in 1996 in what I might say uh, was by far the worst trade that was considered that I'm going to go through here. The Yankees were worried about handing the starting shortstop position to Derek Jeter. Rookie, never played in the big leagues before. They knew he was going to be their shortstop, but they wanted a, a, a security blanket, a, a parachute here. So worried, in fact, that they were looking for somebody that they could stick in every day if needed. So, who's the first big league shortstop you think of in 1996? Felix Fermin. I'm sure everybody is... is Replying,
1: that's where I was going.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, the Yankees uh, had a prospect in the bullpen that had only thrown sixty-seven innings in the big leagues and was wearing a five and a half ERA at the time. So the deal was the Yankees would get Felix Fermin, and the Mariners in return would get this reliever named Mariano Rivera. <laughs> well, it didn't go wow. through. I think the Yankees are probably pretty happy with <laughs> with standing pat on that one. Wow. I mean, again, that Mario Núñez could have changed the entire landscape and history of the Seattle Mariners.
1: Absolutely. Does he become uh, closer? Is he gonna? What are they gonna
0: use him for? Yeah, I mean, he started you know? for the Yankees when he came up. He was he yeah. was a starter.
1: Could make some major, major differences in baseball.
0: He could have nailed down that bullpen for a decade and a half of just yep. you know shut down mm-hmm. closer action. The Mariners could have used that. Yeah, you know, Mike Schooler uh, was not good. <laughs> uh, David Ardsma was, you know, average at best. I mean, they, you know what? He had a great pirate name, Ardsma. Yeah, well, and he's right next to the Hank Aaron with the AA nickname or AA uh, yeah. last name, right at That's the right. beginning of that encyclopedia. Well, let's switch to the other team in New York, the Mets. So, they too were in talks with the Mariners at one point, specifically in 1999. Ken Griffey Jr. was making it known that he wanted to be closer to his family in Florida. The Reds were in the mix. That seemed logical as Griffey's hometown. His dad was a coach with the Reds at that time. And of course, the whole history of, of the Griffey name in the Cincinnati Reds. But while that discussion was going on, The Mets got involved and, in fact, reached a deal in principle with the Mariners, which would have sent Roger Cedeno, Octavio Dotel, and Armando Benitez to Seattle in exchange for Griffey Jr. Like Ricky, though, Griffey had the ability to say no to this deal, and that's what he did. But that might be on the Mets a little bit. (laughs) They called him... Or at least I don't know if they did. Uh, The story goes like this, that Griffey got a call at 1145 at night and gave him the deal here. Hey, you could go to the Mets, um, but we need your answer in the next 15 minutes. (laughs) 15 minutes to make a huge decision like that, that they've just dropped on him. So right that made the decision pretty easy for Junior. He said no, and the rest is history. Apparently Houston and Atlanta were also in the mix, but none of those deals ever got to the point where they just needed to be okayed like this Mets deal was. But doing some more reading, there was actually never really a 15 minute time frame. It was all a miscommunication that cost the Mets, possibly Ken Griffey Jr. The Mets were obviously on the East Coast. Griffey was on the West Coast. And the Mariner's front office was in Hawaii, which is another three hours behind the West Coast. So a bunch of different time zones here. The Mariner's front office, they were headed out for reservations for dinner in Hawaii. And they asked, hey, somebody get back to us within 15 minutes before we leave. Meaning that they would cancel their reservations if they heard back. Not that there were only 15 minutes for the deal to be closed, but (sighs) this deal or the lack of one affected other people as well as Todd Zeal was in talk with the Mets to play first base, or he was considering re-signing with the Rangers. He was asked to restructure his contract with the Mets in order to accommodate Griffey coming to Queens. So he took less money under the the assumption that Ken Griffey Jr. was going to be on, you know, on his team he was willing to give up for that but wow yeah well we've talked about this one before the Rangers sending A-Rod to the Red Sox for Manny Ramirez and John Lester but for this to happen A-Rod was going to have to take a pay cut now I say that and you're probably thinking that that's why this deal didn't get done but no A-Rod totally willing to uh, to take a pay cut to go to the Red Sox but the MLPA said uh no we're not. Uh, we're not going to be giving any money back. I didn't. I, I just don't see a Rod's personality playing well in Fenway. Part, yeah, yeah th- this is
1: true. I can see what you're saying there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to see them rooting for a guy who poses naked in front of mirrors and has like a life size painting of himself as a centaur in his house. That and, and dated Madonna. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, New York fans, I can see hey, yeah, you know, do what you do, whatever you want. But in Fenway, I, I, I just, I, I don't think that would have worked. It'd be interesting to see how that would have ended up. How about future Hall of Famer Miguel Cabrera? He might have been going into the Hall wearing an Angel's hat instead of a Tiger's hat. Oof. So in 2007, the Marlins and the Halos were in discussion, but there was just one sticking point before Miggy could become an Angel, and that was pitching. The deal was already in place for Cabrera to head west in exchange for second baseman Howie Kendrick and catcher Jeff Mathis, but the Marlins kept changing their minds on pitchers that they wanted included. They were asking for any combination of two of the Angels' top three prospects at that point. Uh, Those top three pitching prospects were Irvin Santana, Joe Saunders, and the Angels' top pitching prospect, Nick Adenhart. Well, that would have been a big haul for Miggy, but you could argue it would have been worth it. The Angels, though, thought that that was just too much pitching to give up, and they never got back together on the deal. You know, Miggy is going to go in wearing a Tiger's hat now, I'm sure.
1: Oh, wow. Can you imagine that, uh, the the Trout-Cabrera (laughs) back-to-back?
0: Jeez. (laughs) And then you might as well throw in Otani. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that would have been a lot of power. Oh, Uh, Another future Hall of Famer, Albert Pujols, was another guy who had a deal done to send him elsewhere. In 2000, the Cardinals had a deal in place to send Pujols to the Expos. After just his first year in the minor leagues, they would have gotten pitcher Steve Klein and Dustin Hermanson in return. Oh, my. So Tony La Russa was the skipper at this point of the Cardinals. He had seen Albert for the first time that spring. And he said, "Absolutely not. There is no way you are dealing this guy. He is going to be a superstar." Instead, they sent Fernando Tatis to Montreal, and this is a year after Tatis had hit 34 home runs and knocked in 107 runs. So they got a good player, but you know, certainly not future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. Pujols right. ended his 22-year career with a 101.7 WAR. Tatis senior played 11 seasons in the big leagues, and only totaled a 6.4 career war. What I can only assume was a rare moment of sobriety for Tony Larusa. Uh, actually thought this one through and prevented the Cardinals from making a pretty big mistake, I think.
1: That's, that's frightening.
0: How about this one? Another Hall of Famer that almost had another hat option when going into Cooperstown was Pedro Martinez. Mm. The Expos and Cleveland had a deal sending Pedro to Cleveland for Bartolo Colon and Jarrett Wright. Cleveland, though, did not want to give up both pitchers, especially because Wright had just had a big World Series the season before. These are easy to look back on with perspective now, but, I mean, you know, in 1997, Jarrett Wright looked like he was going to be the real deal. So, they said no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how about this one? George Brett as the third baseman for the Big Red Machine in Cincinnati. The Reds were very close at one point to sending Tony Perez to the Royals for George Brett in 1975. Weird. They also they were they were trying to move Perez. They were also uh, they also talked to the A's about Captain Sal Bando as well. Wow. But, uh, ultimately, they put a guy named Pete Rose there. And I think he did okay. Uh, 1992, Barry Bonds is in the final year of his contract with the Pirates. And the Bucks knew they're not going to be able to afford him when he becomes a free agent. So on the trading block he went, Atlanta came knocking and a deal was worked out. It was going to be Barry Bonds for Alejandro Pena and Keith Mitchell. Now, of course, this is, you know, Bonds. It was just a rental, so. That's why you're not getting that much for him. Yeah, it was a done deal, though. That was until manager Jim Leland found out about it and freaked out. Similar to Larusa, Pittsburgh went on to win the East that year. Of course, Bonds stayed. They were in contention. And losing Bonds, regardless of his contract, would have been disastrous. So Leland went straight to the top, got it shut down. Atlanta got the last laugh, however, beating the Pirates in the NLCS that year, if that makes anybody feel any better. <laughs> These are all great to talk about and imagine you know what if but there is one trade that was agreed upon that never happened that uh, it wasn't because a player said no. this happened in fact when players had absolutely no say in it. they were property of their clubs if they got traded, sent somewhere, that was it they had they had to they had to go. If they were traded to Timbuktu for a bag of donuts and some shawarma, that was it. They had had to abide by it. But this one involves two of the greatest players of all time. I mean the absolute kings of the game. Imagine Ted Williams in pinstripes, stroking long ball after long ball into that short portion right field at Yankee Stadium, while Joe DiMaggio terrorizes the green monster in Fenway.
1: I can't even put that into perspective, man. I,
0: I know, right? I mean, this is just, this is two giants that mu- we were almost traded for each other. This monster deal that would have literally shaken the baseball world to the core of its being, it might have very well ripped the space-time continuum, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, all of it. A deal this big could only come together in one way, alcohol. Noted racist owner of the Red Sox Tom Yockey and Yankee boss Dan Topping were hanging out in 1947. You think Yockey ever went for drinks with George Steinbrenner? Right. I'm guessing not. (laughs) They don't think they got along. Uh, But these two were hanging out and this swap was brought up over over cocktails. Uh, I'm guessing shots of Sambuca and plenty of Cosmo martinis to go around so they decide this just, this has to happen. So off to the rooms they go after, uh, after drinking and, and discussing this in the morning though, Yaki probably shows up for breakfast and topping. And I'm just speculating here is probably still 100% in on this deal. Topping probably had the trade all written down, signed, just waiting at the breakfast table for Yaki, like a, a big eyed excited puppy I can see him like frantically waving his arms above his head at the table as soon as you know Yaki walks into the room over here over here Tom uh Yaki (laughs) not so emboldened after sobering up and wasn't keen to literally pull off the biggest trade in sports history he uh yeah I think I think he the The alcohol wore off, and and he had some clearer thoughts. Topping kept trying to get him to agree until finally Yaki said that he'd do it, but the Yankees needed to sweeten the deal. Joe DiMaggio was not enough. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, we we like DiMaggio, but we need a little bit more. The other guy that the Yankees uh, were going to have to give up for this deal to go through Uh, It was actually even a player to be named later is what they were going to call it. Uh, Yogi Berra. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Can you imagine Joe D and Yogi on the Red Sox? I can't. I mean, it sounds like something you shouldn't even bring up. Yeah. I wonder if they're drought. Continues as long, you know, into the mm-hmm. into the 2000s, if that is the case, maybe the Yankees never win a World Series until, you know, the, the late 2000s as well. I don't Who know. Knows? Yeah. So yeah. I was trying to come up with a bigger trade in any sport that has happened that could have eclipsed this William for DiMaggio, Williams for DiMaggio deal if it had happened. The only thing I could think of was in, in hockey when Wayne Gretzky was traded to the Kings.
1: That's where I was going. Yep, absolutely. Yeah,
0: 1988, the great one and Marty McSorley uh, went to the Kings in exchange for Jimmy Carson, Marty gelina and uh, first round draft picks in 89, 91, and 93, plus $15 million. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is Gretzky, nearing the end of his career, this is not prime... You know, Edmonton Oilers Gretzky. You know, he still led the Kings to the finals, but uh, it's you're not getting a prime time Wayne Gretzky here. But I I mean, this was a huge deal. The only other one I could think of is maybe involving the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Babe Ruth trade. Sure, but Babe Ruth again was not the. He was a, a well above average pitcher and batter, but he was not. The bambino at that point, right?
1: No, right, not yet.
0: Yeah, uh, I. If anybody has any ideas, I would love to hear. Just because, I mean, even the hockey one, you're sending Wayne Gretzky, but you're not getting a Connor McDavid or a Mario Lemieux in return. You're getting a lot of draft picks. Marty Jelena went on to Jelena went on to have a great career. Uh, I don't know who they picked with those three first round draft picks. But I mean, could there possibly be anything that compares to Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio? Let us know. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, I have found about 20 other trades that I've never heard of, including a lot of guys that we talk about a lot on this show. So I think I'm going to stuff those away for a part two of this uh, of this topic, and again, if you have got a trade that happened that even comes close to Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio, let us know, and uh, we'll revisit this in the in the near future. Uh, all right, well, that's gonna that's gonna do it for the main part of the show. It is uh, time for the final segment of the show. It is the time where we open up some old baseball cards. Uh, we assign them value, and then uh, we determine uh, who's best, because uh, that's what we do here in the U.S. We always have to have a winner. So uh, it's time to strike up the band, and uh, it's time for Wax Zero. back This week, Mark, uh, we're going to open up some more of these uh, 1991 score cards. Looking at the, uh, the scoreboard up there, the giant one in center field that has eclipsed the New York Mets uh, board at uh, City Field. We now have the largest here at Two Strike Noise. Of course. Congratulations to us. Uh, it looks like I am up by one seven to six. So uh, if you are new here, we are going to open up a couple of packs of baseball cards. Uh, we are going to take the baseball reference War of the Year of the Cards. Like I said, these are 1991. We're going to add those up. Uh, we got a couple of things that can add or subtract to that total, though. If there's anything on the player's face, that means glasses, mustache, eye black, uh, another mustache. I don't know. They could have two mustaches on. They're going to get credit for each of those, a tenth of a point for each of those. If it's a good Wade Boggs, Keith Hernandez mustache, we we do have the discretion to add an extra 10th of a point onto them. If they're wearing real stirrups, where we can see sanitary socks, you get an extra 10th of a point, but if they're wearing the two and ones, that's a minus a 10th of a point. If they won an award that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, Gold Glove, or were an All-Star, that's a half a point each for each of those awards. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they are the focus of the card or not, that's an extra point as well. If there is a Ricky Henderson or a Nolan Ryan in either of these packs, no matter who pulls it, if Ricky comes up, I get five points. If Nolan Ryan comes up, Mark, you get the five points. If the player has appeared in the Mitchell Report or was suspended at any point during their career for uh, PEDs, that is a minus half a point because that's uh, not cool. We don't, we, don't, we don't appreciate that. And, Mark, we're each going to pick a team. And similar to Ricky and Nolan, if my team comes up in any pack, I get a half a point uh, of war. And if your team comes up, you get a half a point of war. So who would you like to pick this week?
1: I'm going with the Padres.
0: All right. And I don't really have a reason. All right. You don't have a reason for the uh, the Padres. Well, uh, well, maybe because they've got a knuckleballer in their rotation now.
1: That could be. It. Maybe I'm just uh, subconsciously pulling for the knuckleballer.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to I think I'll go for the Mets then, just because we talked about Bobby Bonilla Day and their haphazard spending and their less than stellar record at this point. All right. So I've got uh, two packs here, Mark. I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? I'm going to go with the right hand. All right. So let's open this up and I'm going to have you go first. So uh, this is quite a way to start out your pack okay leading off for you is a pitcher with the texas rangers (laughs) he's a hall of famer and he's wearing real stirrups oh my wow how uh i don't know that that's a good sign for me it's because i went with the right pack and he's a right hander that's the only reason uh, no, this is a left-hander. It's actually Gaylord Perry. No, and just kidding. It's Nolan Ryan. <laughs> oh yeah, so you get uh, you're gonna get a lot of points for this uh, <laughs> just right off the bat. Uh, 1991, uh, 44 years old. Nolan Ryan still went 12 and six with a 2.91 ERA in 27 starts. That's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, uh, only 173 innings though. I think he I think he spent some time on the old Advil list. Uh, Here, because uh, that's definitely a dip down. Uh, Still, 203 strikeouts and uh, led the league in whip and hits per nine. (laughs) That's incredible. Jeez. Uh, And overall, that is going to equal a war of 5.2, plus he's Nolan Ryan, so that's 10.2. He's a Hall of Famer, so that's 11.2. And he's got real stirrups, so that's only an 11.3 to start out with. (laughs) <laughs> I think that beats your entire total from last week. Now, if I would have picked the Rangers as my team, imagine that. Oh, boy. Well, I'm glad you did. not I'm just going <laughs> to say that. All well, right. That was a good start. Yeah, that was a very good start. All right, next, uh, you probably get some good numbers from this. Uh, it is none other than uh, Jose Canseco.
1: Oh, very nice. Except for the Mitchell Report part.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I... I I'm glad you keep reminding me of that, <laughs> even though I mentioned it earlier because I, I keep forgetting to, to add that on here. But uh, Jose Canseco, 17 years in the big leagues, nine with Oakland and then a bunch of others. He's another good guy to remember for uh, for the Immaculate Grid. So it's Fred McGriff. He played on a lot of teams with a lot of guys. Sure. Uh, Let's see, in 1991, Canseco with Oakland. He would be traded from Oakland to Texas the next year. But uh, in 91, he led the league with 44 home runs, 122 RBI, 266 average, 359 on base, a 157 OPS plus. He was, uh, oh, he got MVP votes, but was not the MVP. No other awards that year, but he still had a 5.3 WAR. Uh, wow. good, good news for you is I can't see his stirrups because we know he'd be wearing the two and ones there. Uh, he was uh, mentioned quite a bit on the Mitchell Report. so uh, that's going to bump you down to four point eight. Still not too bad. We're not going to talk a whole bad about a uh, whole bad. Well, we're not going to talk a whole bad about Jose Canseco. I do want to just mention his one pitching outing. In '93 with Texas, where obviously he in in this uh, one inning he threw where he gave up two hits, three runs, all of them earned, and walked three for an ERA of 27. Uh, that is, of course, where he uh, hurt his elbow. did Did he have to have Tommy John surgery for that? I can't
1: remember specifically. I just remember it was a really good idea to send him out there.
0: Yeah. So uh, that did not that did not end well for. Uh, for Mr. Canseco. Uh, If you are in Las Vegas, though, uh, you can get your car washed by his, uh, by his company. I think he owns a couple of car washes. And uh, he can also, uh, he's available to uh, pay to go play golf with, where he can talk to you about Bigfoot and aliens. Nice. Bunch of stuff going on there. All right, you're at 16.1. Your next card is uh, here with the White Sox. Definitely got real stirrups on. He's got a mustache and he's got eye black on. Uh, it's going really well for you at this point. It is shortstop for the White Sox, Ozzie Gian. Very nice. 16 years in the big leagues, 13 with the White Sox, two with Atlanta when I was there, and then one for Tampa and part of one for Baltimore in 1991. Good news for you. All-star for Ozzie Gian. 154 games hit 273, 284 on base. That is wow, low. Not so good. No. Uh, Let's see, overall, three home runs, 49 RBI, 21 stolen bases, caught 15 times. Also not so good. Wow, that is uh, the final of four consecutive years where he was caught in double digits, 13, 17, 17, and 15. In 1990, he only stole 13 bases, but was caught 17. Dude, quit running. I know. (laughs) The first base coach literally needs to just hold on to the back of his belt there and just say stay here uh, overall 74 OPS plus uh, that is good for a 2.1 war he was an all-star so that'll be 2.6 uh, 2.9 after the stirrups mustache and eye black
1: I will take it nonetheless
0: yeah uh, I'm not sure that there's uh, I mean definitely a controversial uh, figure uh, he speaks his mind Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no uh, no Mitchell report for, uh, for Ozzy uh, he does uh, studio analysis for NBC Sports Chicago before and after White Sox games right now. Uh, I've heard his name also uh, come up in terms of uh, managing again. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course, he was the. Um, uh, was he, yeah, he managed the, uh, the White Sox when they won the World Series, right? In, in uh, 2005. I believe so. Yeah. And then he managed uh, one year in Miami, which did not go well. But uh, I've heard his name kind of thrown around uh, as being a, a, a another managero candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Also, uh, a bunch of other things we're not going to talk about. He might even need to go on the no talk. <laughs> Do not discuss this. Uh, let's see. But you are, after just a couple of cards, you're at 19 even. Uh, this is going to help you uh, as well. Fortunately for me, it's uh, my team. It's uh, the closer for the Mets, a left-handed closer. For the Mets, a hometown boy. Let's see what he? he's listed at 510, 185. Wow, John Franco, as
1: you mentioned, one of the rare lefty closers,
0: definitely, definitely a rarity. I've got him on my Diamond Dynasty team on the show this year and kind of bounce back and forth between he and uh Lee Smith because <laughs> I just um, don't like having a lefty closer, but right. Exactly. Uh, two times uh, Rolaid's relief man of the year, four-time All-Star Franco, 21 years in the big leagues, 14 with the Mets, six with Cincinnati, and then one with Houston to round out his career. In 1991, he went five and nine with a 2.93 ERA for the Mets. Uh, 30 saves, 55 innings, 45 strikeouts, a 126 ERA plus, and that is good for a war of only .1. Hmm. now uh he does so those are definitely i'm gonna say those are real those are too thick Uh, i'll give you that so that'll be a 0.2 i'm gonna even give you two tenths on the mustache that's a good looking mustache right there so that'll be a 0.4 but he is on the mets so that's gonna be a minus 0.5 for you so that'll be minus 0.1 overall that's a lot of math, I know, and I apologize.
1: That's no, uh, too much for one player. I, 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 you lost me, so I just believe
0: you. Uh, let's, let's see. Oh, oh, I forgot. I didn't even mention it when when uh, I was uh, giving the rules that pop culture references also are in play. Now he uh, he appeared in uh, in an episode of Pros versus Joes. Yeah, that's it. That's all of the. <laughs> That's all of the, <laughs> the, the information we have here. I think we've talked about this. Through his career, Franco supplied tickets to members of the Bonanno crime family. Nice. Uh, so uh, no suggestions that he was involved in the mafia at all, but uh, that was in violation of Major League Baseball rules, forbidding contact with known criminals. oh So there you go.
1: 424 career saves the most for any left-hander.
0: I don't doubt that at all. Uh, I, I also think uh, looking at John Franco, I think that's uh, who inspired Bobby Valentine's disguise in the dugout. <laughs> it could have been. They've, that, point. It's a good look there. All right. Next, uh, you've got a rookie prospect for the Red Sox, Daryl Irvine. Not familiar with this name. Nor am I. So let's see. Well, for three years in the big leagues, all of it with Boston. Uh, the most uh, number of games he appeared in was 21 in 1992. In 91, he appeared in nine, had no record, a six-point ERA, 18 innings pitched, 25 hits allowed, and uh, only eight strikeouts for a 73 ERA plus, and that is a war of minus .2. Ouch. Uh, nothing else on this card can going help you out, but I like the direction that you're headed. Not gonna lie. <laughs>
1: Things have changed since the first inning.
0: Uh let's see. He was drafted in the third round in eighty-four by the Sox, did not sign. Drafted in the second round in eighty-four, um, the uh supplementary draft by the Blue Jays and did not sign. And then in eighty-five, the Red Sox picked him in the first round, and he eventually ended up signing with them. All right, so you're at 18.7. Next we've got pit uh well, we've got another rookie prospect. He had a good career here. He is catcher for the Brewers, Tim McIntosh.
1: You know, all that matters about this guy is he was a ham fighter.
0: Oh, he was. Well, yeah, that's should, should that. I think maybe next <laughs> next time we'll give some NPB love. Maybe just ham fighter specific, or maybe uh, we'll we'll just say if you played for more for an entire season, if you didn't leave your Japanese team high and dry, how about that? I like that. Uh, let's see. Overall in the big leagues, five years, four with Milwaukee, and then some time with Montreal and the Yankees. In 91, he appeared in seven games, hit .364, had a home run. It was a solo job because he only has one RBI. 197 OPS plus, but a war of .1. Uh, nothing's going to help you on this card. I can't see his stirrups, so that'll just be a positive .1 for you. All right, so uh, let's see. You've got two cards left. And you're currently 18.8. I like this pitcher for the Mets, my team, Julio Valera. Let's see. Valera ended up pitching for five years in the big leagues, two with the Mets, two with the Angels, one with the Royals in 1991 with the Mets. It only appeared in two games, no record, only two innings pitched. And that is a war of 0.1. But he's on the Mets. Ugh. Oh, but he's got a mustache, too, so that's .2, but the minus .5 will give you a minus .3 on him. Nice
1: job, Valera. He was uh, traded by the Mets to the Angels for Dick Schofield.
0: Oh, Dick Schofield. I like that. Uh, So who do you think, in his brief uh, since in the big leagues, who do you think hit him the most? (laughs) Uh, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, I don't see him anywhere on the top of this list. I just did a quick search here. George Brett went eight for 11 against Julio Valera.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's throwing batting practice.
0: Yeah, that's a 727 clip. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. uh, Brandy Milligan went three for seven with two home runs off him. Hendu, Dave Henderson, went two for six. Those were both two home runs. And Roberto Alomar went six for 16 with two home runs off him. Well,
1: good for him not giving up more than two home runs to one player.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the buck stopped with uh, Julio Valera. All right, so you're down to your last card, and uh, it's an Angels pitcher. It is Joe Gray. Gray, G-R-A-H-E. Why do you have to spell your name weird like that? I have a hard mm-hmm. enough time knowing how to spell gray if it's G-R-A-Y or G-R-E-Y as it is. And then you spell it like this. Uh, I don't know. hi Joseph. This makes it difficult for the rest of us. Yeah. Think about us for once. Uh, let's see. Seven years in the big leagues. Five with the Angels. One with Colorado. One with Philadelphia. In 91... With the Angels, he went 3-7 and seven in 18 games, 4.81 ERA, 73 innings pitched, 84 hits, 40 strikeouts, 86 ERA+. Plus, and that is a war of .5. Uh, he definitely has real stirrups on here, so that'll be a .6. I'm going to guess that Joe Gray doesn't have any pop culture references, but I don't want to say that without looking it up.
1: All I know is he struck out Jose Canseco for his first big league strikeout. Yep,
0: I think that says it all. There you go. All right, Mark. So that is your pack. That is a 19.1, which uh, I think is a very good total. That You realize more than half of that is Nolan Ryan, your very first card.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that seems proper.
0: Yeah, well, for you. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe there's a Ricky Henderson somewhere in this <laughs> next pack. Maybe. Uh, all right. So let's see here. All right. 19.1 is uh, what I am uh, going for here. I'm going to start off with a pitcher for the Brewers. It is Teddy Hegera. I like the Teddy said, you know what? I am a grown man, but I still want you to call me Teddy. <laughs> I mean, Ricky. Ricky? <laughs> mean Teddy Roosevelt, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, let's see. Overall, nine years in the big leagues. All of it with Milwaukee. Uh, Teddy Higuera, did he, did he throw a no-hitter at once? I, I want to say in like 85 or 86, maybe 87. Yeah, we, we always think about this. It's always somebody for the Brewers threw a, a no-hitter during that time, and we always forget who it is. Uh, let's get through this first though. In 91, he went three and two with a 4.46 ERA. Uh, 36 innings, 37 hits, 33 strikeouts, a 91 ERA plus, And that is good for a 0. .3 war. Nothing else on this card is going to help me out. Uh, wow. In 86, he was an all-star, came in second in the Cy Young, and had a 9.4 war for the year. Wow. That is pretty good. So that no-hitter, not Teddy Higuera. <laughs> it was Chris Bosio, right? That's who we always
1: through for the Mariners.
0: though. Oh well then who am I thinking of? I I know there's somebody. Maybe it was Robin Young. That's probably who it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so that doesn't help me out. I'll start out with a point three, but I guess it's better than a negative. Next, we've got a pitcher for the Bucks Ted Rest in Power. 13 years in the big leagues, wow, a lot of teams. This is a, he, he's a good guy for uh, for Immaculate Inning. Six with the Reds and then a bunch of other teams, including uh, the Mariners in 1993 for his final season, where it doesn't look like he pitched that bad. What's up with that? I don't know. And why didn't they resign him? him? Uh, well, this is good. Ted Power's nickname is listed as Teddy as well, so I've had two Teddies uh, so wow. In 91, uh, with the Reds, he went 5-3 with a 3.62 ERA. uh, 87 innings pitched, 87 hits, 51 strikeouts, 106 ERA+. And that is good for a war of 0.8. Tell me those are real. Oh, he's got a mustache. That's 0.9. I don't think those are real stirrups, though, so I'll just stick with 0.8. All right, next uh, I've got... Outfielder here for the um, Baltimore Orioles. It is Mike Devereaux. 12 years in the big league. Seven with Baltimore. Three with the Dodgers. One with Texas, Atlanta, and the White Sox. Uh, You're right. He came up with L.A. In 87 and 88, and then his final year in 98, he also appeared in a handful of games for the Dodgers. In 91, for Baltimore, 149 games, 260 average, 313 on base, 19 home runs, 59 RBI, 16 stolen bases, and a 108 OPS plus. And that is good for a 4.9 WAR okay. from Mike Devereux. I did not see that coming. I did not either. Wow, they love their two and ones uh, here. Uh, Mike Devereaux has a mustache, but he's got the two and one, so those will wash out. And I will take a four point nine. That's half of a Nolan Ryan card right there. <laughs> uh, let's see a member of the '95 uh, Atlanta World Series team, born in Casper, Wyoming. I'm betting there's not a lot of big leaguers from Casper, Wyoming. Maybe a couple dozen. That's it. Oh, I, th- I think that might even be a little high. But three dozen. So you went up? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Three is what I was thinking. Uh, Looks like he joined Masson as uh, a part-time on-screen host this year. Six even after a couple of cards. Uh, Here is the brother of a current Major League manager. I believe he is the bench coach for the Yankees right now. Maybe third base. I don't know. Uh, It's Joey Cora here with the Padres. Oh, no. And that's your team. Yep. Yep. Now, I know Joey Cora was on the uh, the Mariners. That yeah. I am sure of. Uh, let's see. 11 years overall in the big leagues. Four years with the Mariners and White Sox. Three with the Padres. And one with Cleveland. In 1991, his first year with the White Sox appeared in 100 games, playing up the middle in the infield. Hit 241, 313 on base. No home runs, 18 RBI and 11 stolen bases. A 66 OPS+. plus. That is good for a war of zero. Now he's on the Padres, so that's a minus point five. He does have flip downs, but he also has the uh, two and ones, so those will wipe out. And I'm afraid I'm just going to get a minus point five for being on the Padres.
1: Bold well, a nerve.
0: Uh, let's see, first round draft pick by the Padres in 1985. Moving on, uh, pitcher for the oh, I love when we get Expos cards, and this is a this is a horizontal card too. It's it's a, this is a good looking card. Uh, pitcher for the Expos, Tim Burke. Eight years in the big leagues, seven with Montreal, two with the Mets, one with the Yankees. In 1991, he split time between Montreal and the Mets. Overall, he went six and seven with 3.36 ERA, 101 innings pitch, 96 hits, 59 Ks, and a 1.09 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 0. 0.4. Uh, he definitely has real stirrups on here. They are pulled up nice and taut. Uh, So that will be a 0.5. So I have essentially just recovered of the Padres.
1: Yes. Now we've talked about this before. He was in the Jeff Moore in the Distance music video, Home Run.
0: Yep. I I knew we had talked about him. I knew we had talked about him. Couldn't hum that song to save my life. (laughs) Uh, Also authored the book, Major League Dad, the moving story of an all-star pitcher who gave up baseball for his family. That is moving. Uh, He's adopted a... Children, one from Korea and one from Vietnam oh, and wow. one from Guatemala. I guess he's uh, uh, let's see. I have got three cards left. I have got one of uh, my all time favorite players. Unfortunately, at this point, he's on the San Diego Padres. <laughs> uh, wow! He's got a mustache. He's got eye black. He has got real stirrups and he's got flip down sunglasses. So that pretty much wipes away almost all of the Padres money there. That's a positive 0.4. So I'm just going to start out at a minus 0.1 for Mike Palerulo. Pags, 11 years in the big leagues, six with the Yankees, three with Minnesota, two with the Padres, and then one for the Rangers and the Orioles. In 1991, with Minnesota in 121 games, he hit 279, 322 on base, six home runs, 36 RBI, a 91 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of 2.7. Nice. So uh, I'll, I'll get a positive 2.6 out of that. Uh, let's see, a member of the 91 World Series team that uh, in Minnesota. So he have got a ring. My second to last card here with the Cubs. Good news. Mustache, real stirrups, eye black, and flip down sunglasses. So there's a positive 0.4. It's Schwan, our favorite Schwan. Our only Schwan,
1: Schwan Dunstan, and the Schwan-O-Meter.
0: Name me another famous Schwan. Schwan?
1: Yeah, I don't know of any.
0: <laughs> we'll uh, we'll dive into that here in a minute. But let's see. Big arm, really big arm. Sean Dunstan, eighteen years in the big leagues, twelve with the Cubs, four with the Giants, and then a bunch of other teams. Uh, let's see. In 1991, with Chicago. 142 games, hit 262, 292 on base. He does not walk. Uh, 12 <laughs> home runs, 50 RBI, 21 stolen bases, a 92 OPS plus. And overall, that'll equal a 1.8 war, plus the uh, four tenths of a point for all the good stuff will be a 2.2. I'm not getting. I'm not even going to come close to you here. I'm just getting nicks and uh, just little little bites to eat here. I'm not getting any substantial scores. Don't give up. Well, I can see what my final card is. <laughs> there's hope. Oh, there's no hope? Okay. No. Uh, first round draft pick by the Cubs in 82. I uh, was traded for Joe Table, a.k.a. Joe Mesa, in uh, 98.
1: Bill James noted that Dunstan was an eternal rookie, a player who continued until the end of his career to make rookie mistakes. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. <laughs> that is tough. Yeah. Ouch. One of his three daughters became the White Sox director of minor league operations last year. That's
1: cool. That's cool.
0: All right. So I am at 10.8. You again, 19.1. So I need a big card here. Now, the question is, will Jeff Treadway be able to deliver? (laughs) I'm sure he will. Let's see, Jeff Treadway, nine years in the big leagues, four with Atlanta, two with the Dodgers and Reds, and then one with Montreal and Cleveland. In 1991, for Atlanta, 106 games, 320 average, 368 on base, three home runs, 32 RBI, a 116 OPS plus, and that is good for a war of 1.2. Now let's see here, he's got uh, definite real stirrups and he has got eye black on. So that'll be a 1.4. Now, if we were using last year's rules, he does have a double flap batting helmet on. Oh, wow. But that still wouldn't have helped me a whole heck of a lot. So I we've mentioned this before. Jeff uh, Treadway successfully completed the hidden ball trick twice in his career.
1: Now, it's, that's uh, tough.
0: Is that Now, the question is, is that worth uh, seven points of war?
1: Well, let me look. Uh, hold on. I got the whole, the rules. Are yeah. I'm looking at the bylaws. The bylaws no, say you yes. You have to have three. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. I it just, must have been it's right here. Hidden ball trick has to be performed at least three
0: times. Oh, shoot. Yeah. And I, I must've signed off on that being the commissioner. Uh, all right. Well, darn it. That, uh, that leaves me with a loss. I ended up with 12.2. Your score of 19.1. That'll even us on the scoreboard at seven apiece. We're level going into the all-star break.
1: Wow. It's a battle. Yeah.
0: All right. Congratulations, Mark. That's going to wrap up this uh, edition of Wax back Heroes. Also going to start to wrap up the show. Thank you again, as always, for listening to us and allowing us to take a week off. Enjoyed it. Had a lot to talk about when we came back here. Uh, if you want more of us, you can find us on all the socials. Guess what? We are even now on Blue Sky and on Threads. So if there is... I, I can think of one social media uh, that we're definitely not on, but all the, all the other ones we're on, we're trying to get off the bird. Uh, I haven't been on the bird app for quite a while, so uh, if you're going there, don't expect a whole lot. But uh, all the others, uh, you can find them all down in the show notes if you want to get in contact with us. Also, we have an email address that uh, we subscribe to all the email Providers, right, Mark? So they can oh, just yeah. two yeah, strike I'm, noise anywhere and it'll get to us.
1: That's all you got to do is, or if for snail mail tool, just write on the envelope two strike noise. It'll end up, it'll find its way here. Yeah. But you can write to us if you want to be very specific. Spell it out two strike noise at gmail.com.
0: Okay. If you want to do it the hard way, you can do it that way. Seems like some extra characters you need to type, but if you want to be sure we get it, maybe. All right. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you again for listening. Mark, uh, I'm going to put us down uh, on the calendar for next week to do this again. All right, let's do it again. What the heck? All right. Uh, Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.